Alyssa. It is raining on Epsilon today, meaning it's perfect weather to deliver to you a special report on Mick's new pest store branch on Epsilon, which, despite only opening last week, just after the release of our previous broadcast, already boasts some of the best sales figures in District 7. Indeed, I am inclined to believe that it is one of the best mutated pest stores on this side of the Milky Way, that is, if the galactic pirates that sell their wares in the black market 18 stories beneath my window are to be believed, of course. Firstly, however, I would like to bring the time and the stars to you. Noon moves westward in a timely fashion at a rate of about 3.7 smoots per minute. Midnight will shower Epsilon in an omnipresent coat of sickly green with the occasional glimmer of a hopeful yet distant star in around three hours. Although please, dear listener, beware the danger of falling stars. They can damage your self-esteem immeasurably if left unchecked for too long, so please, dress appropriately tonight. The council would like me to remind you that the central district is closed for maintenance and repairs indefinitely. Unfortunately, no warning signs are available and trespassers will be shot on sight. Detours are available via a temporary airbridge, accessible upon payment of a bag of mutated space cat food to Dave at the Council's Transport and Infrastructure Department. He apologises for any inconvenience caused. Moreover, listener, the Department of Ominous Signs, Omens and Amateur Radio would like me to warn you that, as Epsilon's chief auger is currently sick, the poor soul, omens, both calm and foreboding, will not be read. Thus, you should interpret any omens as cataclysmic. It is, after all, better to be safe than sorry. Debate raged in the council building today as to whether a new temporary auger should be appointed so any dark or ominous signs are not left uninterpreted, which would, of course, be a danger to us all. There is, however, as yet, no clear consensus as to who should be appointed. Barry, the brother of Bobby, and renowned proprietor of Barry's shop, put himself forward for the post. One eagle-eyed observer messaged into us to observe that Barry is, in fact, a robot so it's difficult to be sure precisely how well he would interpret the aforementioned omens, or, despite his unfathomably large robotic brain, whether he and his artificial intelligence would have the sensitivity, or indeed the tact, required for such a position. Nevertheless, it is looking as if Barry will be made the next auger, and he made the following statement when asked for comment. It was noontide of summer, time of night, and stars in their pale orbits shone pale through the light. I am sure, nevertheless, that you will join me, listener, in welcoming our prospective robotic priest to his equally prospective role, if, of course, he takes it. And now, listener, a special investigative report. Upon entry into District 7, through the legal entrance I might add, I mean, who could possibly consider sneaking into the district? One is faced with the radiant, radioactive yellow glow of Mick's new mutated flying cat store. The 
store is rather boxy in appearance. One could describe it as bland were it not for a mechanical billboard positioned carefully at the front of the entrance. With the wings of a flying cat flapping rhythmically, its eyes glowing red, much like the real thing. Piercing the hazy green mist. One enters the store through the friendly and rather unassuming rear door. Although, to be fair, the front door is permanently locked. Upon entry into the store, however, it's anything but unassuming. Large prison cell-sized crates of unsorted feral flying cats flank the right wall with seemingly endless rows of sorted tame cats on the left. Sorted by their colour, their age, their size and their temperament. In the middle of the establishment though, under a dangling industrial light, much like a spotlight, sits Make. His long, slender body with ghostly skin and slick hair leaning commandingly over his puny, age-worn wooden desk. Make's husband, nearly identical in appearance and all but choice of suit. Make prefers a double-breasted jet black suit, whereas his husband sports a fantastic Byzantium purple single-breasted waistcoat and bow tie, cloaked usually by a stained white lab coat. The latter is responsible for developing new breeds of flying cat and has strangely been employee of the month for nearly seven epsilons in a row now. Which is strange considering the establishment has been open for, oh, just over a week. I must say, however, I don't ask the more outward-facing, although arguably not friendlier, of the two about this ambiguity. I already feel his piercing stare from beyond his near-opaque aviator sunglasses and long, thin smirk. However, I must say, the new flying cat fad has quite literally taken off, if you excuse my pun. I counted a... Fourteen cats in a variety of colours fly rapidly past my window just while I was preparing for this broadcast, dear listener. Occasionally one may see a child or two perched on the back of the aforementioned cat, riding, perhaps, to one of the many school camps that dot Epsilon. They are, after all, much cheaper to run than the standard-issue government hovercars, notoriously prone to breaking down mid-earth. Fortunately, Epsilon's thin gravity is such that the sense is slow and usually non-lethal. Makes hovercats do, at least taking preliminary evidence, or um, at least what I could observe through my window over a four-minute period, seem far less lethal too. At least without laser pens being used on them, which is, at times, irresistible. And rather amusing. I myself have caused upwards of ten non-lethal, I must emphasise, hover cat crashes over the past week. Maybe, just maybe, one day you and I will be able to
to own a flying cat and hop a car on a planet of our own. Away from this dire persecution on Epsilon. Please, listener. Please message back. broadcasts one day. I am desperate.